0: This is Rumble, and I'm Michael Moore, and my special guest today is the uh, incredibly wonderful, beloved uh, cartoonist uh, Tom Tomorrow, um, who goes uh, actually by his birth name occasionally is Dan Perkins, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, his uh, stage name uh, on the funny pages is Tom Tomorrow. I'm sure many of you have seen his uh, cartoons, his strips over the years. And um, they are they are really of our time now. They are they if you depending on your age, they're the doonsbury of this moment. If you're older, uh, you might remember Jules Pfeiffer. Um, it's it's a hard thing to do to do a comic strip uh, from a position of satire and um, and to and to have it both political and funny because oftentimes political. Kills the funny <laughs> and, <laughs> and sometimes the funny uh, diminishes uh, the political. And so it's a very, very difficult trick to pull off. But for many, many years, Tom um, uh, Tomorrow has uh, both entertained us, uh, made us think, uh, got us angry at all the appropriate people. And um, and we need this. <laughs> we need both the laughs and the fight in us right now more than ever. And I welcome you to Rumble, uh, Dan Perkins, Tom tomorrow. Hey, thank you very much for inviting me on. No, no, thank you. Now, how many years? How many years have you been doing this? I, i How long have I known oh, you? When God. did we first meet. Well, <laughs> we
1: it's- first met in the mid nineties. Uh, you mid-90s. were you had a speaking gig up in New Haven. I think that's where we met. Um, but I've been doing this since. 1990 give or take so way too long i mean i was you know a young child i was a prodigy it was amazing um because i could not <laughs> i couldn't possibly be this old um, it's not possible <laughs> right
0: it's uh with 30 so this would be like 30 years yeah and this past year was 30 years since my first film roger me so we both kind of started doing this around the the same year um and it uh in the early years, I mean, first of all, how how were you able to go from where you were in New Haven, I guess, at the time when you started? I was in um, San Francisco when I started. You were in San Francisco. So, um, and you grew up there. Um, like I said, you grew up in uh, Iowa. In Iowa, yeah. <laughs> as soon as I said San Francisco, the Midwestern, I have like a, like, a, like a nun I used to have in school who was just beating me in the middle of my brain. As soon as I said that, he's from the Midwest. I was trying to figure out how to politely uh, <laughs> no, correct a okay. record. the record. The nuns have never left my head. Yeah, there you go. So it's, they're there to do their job. And uh, I, I pulled that off pretty quick. But um, So I've moved yes, around so, a lot.
1: I grew up in Iowa. I also grew up in Arkansas. I also lived in Georgia for a spell. I lived in Florida for a while. Uh, as an adult, I moved to San Francisco uh, I moved back to the East Coast uh, for my ex-wife uh, when she was not yet my wife. Uh, so I, I have lived in New Haven and New York City basically since I moved back.
0: And you're in New York now, so indeed. you're just actually a few blocks from where We're doing we're doing this, um, but uh, we're doing this in respect of the um, the pandemic. Do we respect this pandemic? I don't know if that's really the right thing to say. In but... fear of the pandemic. Yes, in fear of the pandemic, we're like three blocks away from each other. (laughs) And yet we're sending this up to a satellite and bringing it back down uh, in order uh, to conduct this uh, podcast. I haven't seen a
1: human being apart from people
0: who work in the grocery store in a month. Wow. Okay. Um, Not that I want to top that, but um, I haven't left this apartment. This is I walked out once, like on the fifth day, and then I thought, no, that's it. So this is day 30, what is this, day 36?
1: We're all all going to be agoraphobic when this is over.
0: Is that what's going to happen? We're not going to go out? We're not going to
1: want to go out anymore. We will have have retrained our brains. And also, I mean, you know, I mean, Trump is talking about, turning the economy back on as if there's some master switch in a, in a lab, like in some old science fiction movie or something, but it's going to be a really slow thing. You know, I, it's going to be a long time before we do the normal things that
0: New Yorkers do again. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, there's a big part of me that doesn't want to go back to normal. I have to admit. And, uh, and politically, I certainly don't want to go back to what was called normal. Right. Um, but the uh, just for people the uninitiated the people who have not seen the Tom Tomorrow um, cartoon strips uh, over the years and by the way I I, I have a link to the, the strip is called This Modern World and I have the link for it um, on the podcast page here and I'm going to be posting it on my social media so you can uh, find it there on, on uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter and but also I um, also if if. Assuming that the last month hasn't mean uh, m- hasn't made your brain uh, atrophy too much, you can probably remember. It's very easy. thismodernworld.com. and you can see Dan's strips. But for those who are not going to leave the podcast now and do that uh, for for, can you give people just a kind of a sampling or an idea of 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 this strip and how far you're willing to go to? <laughs> As I've seen over the years, cross uh, certain lines um, that have, that, which is why I think you're so beloved by um, so many tens of thousands of people. So, uh, go ahead and have at it. Oh boy! Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I know. How do you describe something that is a visual? Yeah, a um, You know, over a microphone.
1: Honestly, I, I don't mean to deflect the question, but um, I think I have a harder time explaining it than people who read it. I mean, how would you explain it?
0: I would say that on any given week, it's a weekly strip, um, uh, Dan will have approximately, I think, six panels, right? Uh, three and three. And, um, and in each panel, there is something going on. Usually, um, it, my favorites are anytime you have Mr. and Mrs. America. Uh, we're just talking, but well, why is that? Why didn't the president go to the briefings? Well, I'll tell you why. And, um, and through their conversation, you realize the idiocy of what we're uh, experiencing. That can also happen in Dan's strip with, um, newscasters are great. Uh, at the, it's just reading, reading the news the way, imagine if they were just really reading it, like they were completely honest of how they felt about what they were telling you what was going on. And, and so it's six panels of a newscaster, perhaps uh, just kind of laying it out uh, for you and, and not necessarily on the nose, laying it out, like, like explaining it to people who are you know too dumb to get it. Actually, the newscaster is often dumb and well, they're, they're <laughs> often,
1: I, my characters are often speaking in their own voice and hopefully the satire comes through uh, to the reader. Um, But yeah, there's a there's a tricky line where I'm not actually wanting to specifically spell it out,
0: right? Well, yeah, that's because that's why this is such a smart comic strip. I mean, it's it's really you if you do have to have a bit uh, a bit of brain matter to digest what's going on here, and a and a sense of irony and a sense of um, uh, sardonic uh, um, um, processing. The um, but uh, can you at least tell people about the penguin? Well, so why I was penguin? I was
1: just thinking that that, <laughs> that I should mention you know it's the comic strip with the penguin and not the famous one that you're thinking of. Um, but it's a uh, uh, it's a penguin with sunglasses uh, who when I started doing this work it was all when I started doing the strip it was all very based on the the false reality of of advertising and propaganda. And so my character, as I sort of just said, my characters did not directly say, this is stupid. This is terrible. Why is this happening? They would sort of say, oh, this is a great thing. And and in the course of explaining why they thought it was great, I would explain to the reader why I did not think it was great. Um, But at a certain point, pretty early on, I wanted a character who, Could speak more directly to the audience in my voice and uh i i had a i always had a little thing for penguins uh when i was a kid i drew cartoon penguins and so i didn't really give it a lot of thought i just threw in this penguin who uh sort of seems to know that he's in a comic strip he often breaks down the fourth wall and talks to the audience directly and uh, you know, it was it was just a useful addition. Um, he doesn't actually show up that often anymore. Every now and again, I need I need him to come in. Uh, but I mean, I think you know, having said that, I think he might show up in the next couple of weeks because I have a a more straightforward dialogue strip, uh, sort of a talking head strip that I want to do about um, about healthcare and about how this whole crisis has really shown what an insane mess our healthcare system is. Mm -hmm. Um, And and all the the ridiculous uh, Mm -hmm. rationalizations for it um, are just kind of out the window uh, right now. And, you know, like, I'm still not confident that we're going to come to any uh, sensible uh, solution with this. But a healthcare system... You know this healthcare system that is uh, inextricably linked to employment status. This this weirdly, peculiarly American system. Uh, the underlying flaw of that uh, becomes apparent when I don't know how many people have lost their job. I, I'm I'm wanting to say like ten percent of the workforce or something. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, massive a- massive unemployment yeah. right now. Um, and, you know, so, you, you know, the, then the solution is sign up for Cobra or sign up for uh, uh, the ACA. Uh, but again, if you've just lost your job where, you you know, Cobra is very expensive. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's idiotic. And it's been, as a freelancer, it's been driving me crazy for 30 years. So maybe I was uh, a canary in the coal mine that I, I saw these problems earlier uh than a lot of people um who didn't have to face this who just got insurance through their job and thought it was great but that that whole line about if you like your insurance you can keep it you know we're going to see how well that works when you know the the flaw in that is as long as you don't lose your job in a global uh pandemic
0: yeah in the endorsement uh, that bernie made here uh, of biden and they were both on the screen together. They agreed that they're going to have members of each of their campaigns sit down in a room and form like these ad hoc committees to um, maybe find some compromise. Uh, you know, a chance for Bernie to have his his uh, imprint on the Biden residency policies. Well, and I, hope so they, he can, they,
1: I hope he can push them to the left because it is literally a matter of survival uh, for so many people right now.
0: Well, here's the sad news is that there, there's one committee that they're going to uh, form on uh, criminal justice. There's one on immigration. There's one on uh, wage inequality. There's one on um, student loans, one on um, climate uh, change. And nothing on healthcare, and it was so disappointing huh. um, to see this. To that, apparently, I'm sure I'm sure Bernie pushed it, and I'm sure the Biden people were like, "No, that's a bridge too far." Uh, well, uh, for us, and uh, it's it's uh, it's so much as you said at the core of what people are struggling, just trying to get by. Um, and uh, and while people have their unemployment, if they have it, if they had it. A job right now, and they were laid off. They're laid off right now. They're they're going to get decent unemployment from their state and federal government, but uh, no health care. And um, at a time when we're in a health collapse, um, no health care. Well, I
1: think both of us have been looking at the society for a long time, and the 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 absurdities of it. And I feel like right now what America has become is what you and I saw coming, but only in our most ridiculous, far-fetched imaginings. Like like what we are living right now, um, you know, satire is the art of, of taking something to the absurd extreme, and we are now living in the absurd extreme. It is impossible uh, to, to come up with something that is crazier than, than what we're living through. And so it's, I don't know, almost nothing surprises me anymore, but I, I am still, I'm still capable of being disappointed.
0: Yeah, it's, you're right. In our wildest imagination. In fact, um, you and I and and Harold Moss one time um, many, many years ago, uh, fashioned a, a screenplay for an uh, uh, animated film. <laughs> that we did. <laughs> and, and some of these, it's what we did. We did it almost like it was almost like science fiction, um, science fiction animated political cartoon and um what would we even do if we
1: were doing that today we we you know anything we (laughs) wrote would be out of date within it'd be out of date i think there are things
0: i think there are things back in that screenplay if we pulled it out now they've already happened they happened 10 (laughs) years ago five years ago they happened this week and it's like it's like the 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 screenplay we've got the most mold on it but (laughs) we, we thought we were we thought we were so far gone you know like you know, we were completely high. We weren't <laughs> high, but I'm just saying that that's the way it read. Now it, it just it looks like a PBS documentary, right? Um, right. but But um, but it it so so were you always as a kid? Were you were you <clears throat> what came first, the drawing or the politics? And. Uh, what? Where? Where? How did this all all start? Uh, I loved the, comics, comic strips, the, and comic, comic books strip. as a kid. You buy comic books, yeah. yeah and uh, what, I mean, what did you really? What were you in love with comic book wise?
1: Well, the comic strip that I was in love with was uh, Peanuts by Charles Schultz. Mm. Um, that yeah, just still great. And then when I was a little bit older, Doonesbury. So mm. uh, I think I think uh, Gary Trudeau uh, sort of showed me uh, a way that you could combine politics and comic strips uh, without, you know, without going the sort of traditional single panel editorial cartoon uh, route. Um, And then when I started doing it, I found that what I wanted to do was write what are effectively little skits. I mean, the things I do, you could do them on stage at a Right citizens brigade or something. Um, But, you know, They're they're in comic form, but they are uh, they're very wordy, uh, as people often
0: point out to me. (laughs) Yes, there there are, but that that's what makes it so great. How do you write so small and get all those words in there?
1: It's the magic of computers.
0: <laughs> oh, what did you do before computers
1: uh you know i hand lettered, uh working at a larger size less words right? less words no, i just worked at a larger size and shrunk it down when i uh
0: when it ran the um uh have you ever had the situation that uh, gary trudeau has had up for his whole life with uh, being banned or or them not running a strip or somebody not liking uh, what you've written. Uh, I've, had, I've had fewer of those incidents because um, my work, I mean,
1: Doonesbury ran, or still runs, in daily newspapers. Um, I got my start in the alternative press, uh, which gave me a lot more leeway. Uh, there were a few things here and there that people objected to, but I, I haven't ever had that, you know, that that sort of Because of the sort of controversies that Trudeau goes through, uh, the readers of the all-weeklies were less likely. I mean, people get offended by things all the time, uh, but mostly the editors stood by me. Now, unfortunately, the the whole all-weekly industry was on its last legs anyway, and um, I've lost several papers uh in the past month because this has just been the final straw for
0: them mm. wow you are so right now you come out uh, this modern world uh, with tom tomorrow comes out on mondays on the daily coast right right and and then on tuesdays on the nib right and i and i be um so those are the those are the ones people can always go to uh to read tom tomorrow this modern world right yeah um but I've seen your work in the past in other magazines, and certainly, the, like you said, the Alternative Weeklies. Um, um, you know, the, the, w- what has happened to cartooning in terms of the cartoon strip, in terms of the comic strip? Uh, there's still oh, – well, The Nib, that side
1: um, is a very good site to check out uh, for a, a wider uh, range of younger cartoonists. That That's run by another cartoonist, a friend of mine named Matt Boers. Um who is, uh, has done a really good job of, um, just creating this thing. He thought, you know, we need a new space for comics and he made it happen. Uh, he, he found two different tech billionaires who who funded him and dumped him and now he's entirely independent, but he is still publishing and still paying cartoonists.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I'm guessing there's not a lot of money in being a cartoonist. Uh there things. are probably more profitable professions
1: <laughs> <laughs> right
0: um so um that being the case uh um how does let's say there's a young person listening to this right now loves to draw maybe has their own um cartoon strip you know what kind of advice do you give them in terms of they must come up to you or they run into you or they write you and they say i want to do this um how fast do you try to talk them out of it? Well, you know, I don't. I, I think if you are, um,
1: if you are compelled to do something, you're going to do it. And I certainly would not ever be the person to talk someone out of out of their their dreams like that. Um, and I think if it's really what you want to do, um, you'll find a way to do it. Uh, But honestly, the landscape is changing so quickly and it's, you know, I wish I had answers to that right now. My, uh, my universe is kind of contracting and um, I'm not sure what that, I'm not sure what that even means for me in the long term because it's been way too long since I've had any other sort of job. I, I'm, I'm not, I, I can't even imagine what else I would be qualified to do. Um, but that doesn't really answer the question. Uh, I guess, I guess. No,
0: people. I think you answered it. If you want to do whatever you want to do, you should follow your dream and not think about whether or not it's going to be a job or follow the or dream. Whatever. but
1: maybe also have a way of making a living. I mean, you know, this is just, this is just the traditional problem confronting creative people. You know, it's why every actor has spent time as a waiter,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, I didn't have to be a waiter. I had, <laughs> I washed uh, I washed dishes at a country club. I got a job as, as a, you know one of those automatic dishwasher things where you close uh-huh. it all down. I can't tell you how many times I burned my forearm on that uh, on that Ooh. dishwashing apparatus. Um, but yeah, no. If if from a you know I dropped out of college after about a year year and a half, and um, right away, I like, you know I know what am I going to do. <clears throat> to earn money so i did that as a dishwasher then i i got a job as a night janitor uh in a high school um you know buffing the floors i, I loved love that buff it. i love that buffing machine it was so much fun and um but yeah but i wanted to do i wanted to do i wanted to write that was the first thing i wanted to do i wanted to start an alternative newspaper and do journalism and I eventually you know by the time i was uh you know in my early 20s i was able to do that but um yeah, no, I know, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, that this. was that was the moment for it. I also dropped out of school and wasn't sure
1: what I wanted to do exactly, but I, I knew I wanted to. I knew I wanted to write or make cartoons or, or something. I I just I, I wanted a I wanted a better life, uh, a richer life than seemed uh, and by richer I mean more creative, more fulfilling um, than seemed possible. Uh, when I was Mm -hmm. kind of stuck in Iowa. So I ended up, uh, I I taught myself, uh, used to be able to make a living um, just doing word processing. Like it was was a weird skill because not everyone was computer literate and you could make a decent income as a temp doing that sort of thing. So I moved to San Francisco and supported
0: myself as an office temp for a long time. Hmm. The, um, uh, How are you, how are you doing through this whole thing? Uh, you know,
2: cause, um. I
0: know. I can. I can hear it. See, I know you, so I can hear it in your voice. I can. I can. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm worried that you. That you're just uh, fading into the wallpaper there, you know, or something. What? Because you know. Well, go ahead. I mean, I'm. I'm just. This is, I'm not a therapist, but I'm. Uh, I. I play one on the, the podcast here. Um. But but, <laughs> but, but also. But I'm also going crazy. But so go ahead. You're crazy first.
1: <laughs> well, I, we could debate that, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm saying you go first i, I hope to, i do hope to i hope to win the crazy award yeah um but, but um, i don't know man i'm i'm uh, a lot of i had a
1: lot of things up in the air and then suddenly the world shut down and uh there's this old episode of star trek the next generation that i keep thinking of where uh beverly crusher is struck and stuck in some alternate universe and it contracts around her Uh, so that the known universe exists of the starship enterprise. And I right now I'm feeling like the known universe consists of my apartment, you know, (laughs) I'm just like, you know, and I, I like my apartment fine. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I'm Skyping with friends a lot. I'm, uh, that's good. Uh, cooking, in touch with people cooking a lot more. Um, uh I, I spend a lot of time staring at Twitter which is not good for mental health but it is it is yeah. it is also a thing that sort of feeds my uh, it feeds my specific uh creativity it helps me mm-hmm. uh, uh, sort of keep an eye on on what's going on and, and formulate my own thoughts um and you know I spend several days a week uh, writing and drawing the cartoon and um, but it is all just a little bit timeless right now, uh, you know. It is shut down. Uh, you know, I have a 16 year old son who normally would be visiting me every other weekend, and is uh, sort of part of what connects me to the to the world. And mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, so right. now we've just been texting a lot. Uh, I have been watching a lot of, I've been kind of catching up on my old 1950s, really bad B movie, uh, science fiction B movies, uh, Mm. The Silent Earth. Uh, I watched a really strange one called Red Planet Mars, which is basically a Cold War thing. Uh, A a guy makes sort of uh, contact with unseen Martians. It's just through this coded thing. And they start quoting scripture at him. And it proves the existence of the Christian God. The Soviet Union collapses. Uh, The Patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church becomes the new leader of the Soviet Union, and apparently it just it ushers in a whole new generation of a whole new era of peace and prosperity on the planet Earth. And it's I wouldn't you know I wouldn't say it's a interesting or 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 good movie by any means, but it it was the most fascinating thing that I've seen in a while just as a period piece. And and, uh, I I, I myself am vastly amused by this. I I, I love these old strange movies. I don't need, um, I don't really watch uh, Mr. Science Theater because I have my own running dialogue and going on in my head when I'm watching these things. And that was a really strange one. So I'm, I'm doing things like that, exploring the weirdest old science fiction movies I can find on YouTube.
0: Mm. Except, you know, <clears throat> I've been doing similar things too. And uh, um, uh, yesterday on Easter, or was it, yeah, Sunday on Easter, I... Um, what, what day is today? <laughs> I don't even know what day it is. I don't even know. Don't ask me. Okay, I literally um, had to look
1: at my computer t- today's Monday. No, seriously. So, it's, so like, it's
0: Sunday was it's, Easter. It's not Sunday, no. <laughs> Yesterday yes, was Easter Sunday. Was, yes, yes, Easter was Sunday. Yes, yeah. Oh my god! And uh, I, I uh, rewatched all the uh, Jesus films uh. that um, I hadn't seen since I was a child. Uh, the greatest story ever told. King of Kings. Um, there was this great though, um, uh, you know, neo-realist uh, Italian film from the. Oh, geez, it might be in the might be from the fifties or maybe the sixties early sixties called The Gospel According to St. Matthew, but it's very dark and very, very raw. Mm. And then I ran across this thing called Mary Magdalene. Um that did you ever have you heard of this film? Mary this is it came out last year. Except it didn't come out. It 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 stars as Jesus, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh no I have not yeah, heard of this thought, oh, that's got to be interesting. Uh You think if you've seen Joker, uh, he's on top of that police car looking like Jesus. And, um, no, he plays Jesus and, uh, Rooney Mara plays Mary Magdalene. And it's, it's written, the film is written by two women and it, it, it tells this, the sort of the Jesus story and the Mary Magdalene story from the perspective of women. And, um, and what if men hadn't written the Bible? (laughs) What if if there had been a woman's voice somewhere in there? And it's so, it was such an amazing film. I couldn't take my eyes off it. It was so, so good. It was on Showtime. I tried to find out why we didn't hear this film. Why in the year that he wins, Joaquin wins the Oscar for uh, Joker, he's also Jesus, but none of us had heard of that. And I think that what happened was the film got, it was one of the films that got buried and died. Um, that it, it finished right after Harvey Weinstein oh, had been um, okay. removed and uh, then arrested and, um, and this and somehow they got the rights to show it on cable and it's maybe one of the best Jesus stories I've ever seen. So interesting honest and full so, of empathy. So and-
1: you're suggesting that instead of bad movies I should watch good movies.
0: Well, or find the, <laughs> find find the hidden gems.
1: Interesting concept.
0: Yes, yeah. Well, I'm just I'm just saying it might sound a little happier, <laughs> just, well, because there are these. Look, you found a hidden gem in in Red Planet uh, Mars, um, but th- there's I, there's another one I ran across. Um, Dodsworth. Have you ever heard of Doddsworth? No. Nope. Oh my God, it's um, it's it's such a great film and then i can't remember the other one that i had on my little list here but tcm uh, uh, turner classic movies um it's worth it in the morning just seeing what they're playing that day yeah uh because sometimes man they have great stuff or the or the old classics like you know my my favorite films like uh clockwork orange or taxi driver right Right, um, You know, Life of Brian
1: that, that would be the next step also Is to revisit classics like that um, so, yeah. so one that sort of falls Somewhere in the middle that I did rewatch Recently is uh, John Carpenter's Escape from New York Oh, yeah Somehow the title seemed resonant In this <laughs> moment
0: <laughs> <laughs> Right What's going to happen when they finally release us? When we leave our uh, Our apartments here I have no idea. I have no idea. Like, Like, are 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 you going to go to movie theaters again? Um, I don't. I will not right away. Yeah, I'm um, I'm gonna wait and see how many people die going to the movies. I feel like I feel like it just has to
1: be a really
0: gradual
1: stage thing. I mean, all we're doing right now, people have to keep in mind, is trying to flatten the immediate rate of infection so that the healthcare system is not entirely overwhelmed. We're we're not actually doing anything. You know, there is no vaccine. There is no cure. There is I mean the, there's hydro hydro what is hydroxychloroquine. Uh, that that uh, is that the right? Am I saying that right? Yeah, that's that right. the mm-hmm. uh, Trump has, has you know, somehow gotten fixated on. it, so then it has become this, this matter of ideology with all the, the red hat types saying, well, there's this fabulous drug and, and this is the cure. And, you know, so, so this is, this has been an interesting thing. And I assume you've been keeping track of this too, is um, the, the weird, the weird Fox News, Trump loyalist response to this. I mean, you know, here we are in New York and there are there are mobile morgues, there are there are hospital tents in Central Park, you know, and, and they were burying coffins on Hart, on Island, Hart Island and, right and in the city here. They're trying, you know, and, and you know, it's it's if you actually read uh, the newspaper, if you actually read like that thing the Times just published on the on the timeline leading up mm. to uh, yes. the 70 days that Trump wasted. You know, it's just undeniable that we could have been in a much better situation if he had taken this seriously much sooner. And so it becomes just another partisan battle, except that, again, it's like something in a cartoon of mine where one side is saying, you know, hello, science and facts. And the other side is doing everything possible to deny the reality that is just right out on the street that is that is right out in everyone's lives. You know, everyone at this point knows someone who has gotten sick or, or someone who knows someone who has gotten sick. It's just out there and, you know, trying to downplay it and say, oh, it's just the flu when it's this uh, devastating illness that apparently uh, can mess your body up for the rest of your life. Uh, but, you know, it, it's become uh, the, only, the only similar thing I can think of until there's a zombie apocalypse, and one side is denying the fact that there are zombies. Um, The only similar thing that I can think of, you know, is global warming, you know, this clear and existential threat that the people who believe in science are concerned about and the people who have been conditioned for the last 30 30 or 40 years not to believe in science think is a hoax, except it's playing out in real time over the course of
0: two months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's okay. So we don't know what's going to happen when we open up the door here, step out onto the sidewalk and, you know, when things are supposedly bad. I mean, what's it, what's going to be, we're probably going to keep wearing
1: face masks when we go outside. We're probably, okay. So like, let's say that the restaurants in the neighborhood start to slowly reopen. Um, They'll have to do it at like half capacity, quarter capacity. Um, And, you know, you know how hard it is to get a reservation in New York city anyway. So, so like you're probably not going to even be able to get, go to restaurants when they do reopen.
0: Um, no, you and, know. And by, they're going to have to remove half their tables, at least and, half their tables. And, so that means they won't, you know, the margin, the margin of making money doing a restaurant is very thin and, um, they won't, you know, removing those tables means removing the chance to pay their bills.
1: Yeah. Basically. Which so means they, a lot of places go out of business. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, honestly, what we, we
1: we need a we need a functional government. We need a massive Keynesian stimulus program that is even beyond this this first round that they that they just went through. Uh, you know, really, we just in Canada right now. I think it is about a four month program here. So, forgive me if I'm getting the details wrong, uh, yeah, but yeah. I believe. They are just basically sending everyone a $2,000 a month check for four months just to try to keep their economy afloat. Um, and, you know, we, we kind of need something that big uh, because, you know, just bailing out the, the airlines and the fucking cruise ship industry and, and, and sort of letting, leaving everyone else to fend for themselves is really not going to cut it. Right, and they're trying so tangential thought, and they're trying to kill the post office.
0: Oh no, I haven't heard that. Is that true?
1: Have you not been? Yeah, admi- yeah no. Like, I mean,
0: no. I get uh, halfway the, through the news and I turn it off.
1: So, so the post office is uh, uh, been in the second half of the news going to go broke in about a month, and Trump has refused uh, to uh, give it any funding. Um, and what's maddening about this is the post office would be. An entirely self-sustaining entity, but Republicans yes. in like 2006 uh, passed a sort of poison pill mandate that the post office has to pre-fund uh, uh, pension plans for 75 years. Oh, no. So they had to set aside this massive amount of money, and I believe I have read that then that that money it's not even there for the pension funds because they've been dipping into it to pay down the national debt.
0: You know, the thing is if you lose the post office, I mean, this is, this was set up probably back during the time of Eisenhower. The, the post office is your only, only daily contact with your federal United States government. Right. You, you, there is a person from the federal government who visits you six days a week and In the past, years and years ago, when they were, again, having trouble funding the post office, I think it was Eisenhower, but somebody can write in and tell me who came up with this brilliant idea. He said that um, we need to – there is a post office in every single neighborhood in America, Every the smallest village. The village may have 200 people, and there's a post office. There's a zip code.
1: For a lot of rural areas, the post office um – you know, even in the age of, of Amazon and and UPS, or excuse me, yeah, UPS and FedEx and so forth. um, Even now the post office in rural areas often carries those packages the last mile. Right. Right. You know, if we, if we you know, if we, if we privatize the post office, a lot of rural communities are are just going to be in deep trouble. Absolutely.
0: The, the way that this was put forth, you know, decades ago was that, If we were in a national emergency and we needed to get something to every American citizen, be that um, uh, medicine, be that, you know, whatever, there's – the postal system allows the government to get something to every single American the next day. Right. The next day, you know, maybe in some far out places, two days, but but literally – Imagine imagine,
1: imagine if they were just delivering face masks to everybody right now. Yes.
0: Or or when when the, the new self administered test that you could just test yourself from home whether to see whether you have it right or if you've already had it, which which means you may be immune, that little test kit can be sent to every single American through the infrastructure that exists today and can get to everybody within the next twenty four to forty eight hours. Isn't that amazing? Why you would want to let that particular system die when it's our only connection together, all 330 million of us is this thing that we like to make jokes about. We like to complain about, you know, the junk mail, all all the stuff, but, but think about that, that, you know, I I think we were one of the first countries uh, maybe think we, I think even before, the U.S. existed as a country. There was a system set up so that you could communicate to any other American, no matter where that American lived, and it was it was kind of brilliant at the time to yeah. think that that we could do this. I would, I'm I'm, I'm sad to hear that there's any kind of talk about the uh, uh, just letting the post office go. That would be. It should be well, considered a national security risk. Anybody who's talking about doing that,
1: there are sort of two theories on this right now. Uh, one is uh, that Trump doesn't want people to be able to vote by mail. Um, and that is even oh, there you go. I don't know. That's even a little, mm, okay. I, I'm not sure right. if that's why that's even a little bit of a stretch it's, for me. gave me a
0: little shot of adrenaline, um, so that's okay. It's gone, but go
1: ahead. uh. The theory that I find, I mean, maybe there's a little bit of that, but the theory that I find a lot more plausible uh, is that Amazon relies on the post office and Trump just has this personal feud with Bezos and he just sees this as a way to fuck over his, uh, this guy that he doesn't like. And, you know, that is all he is thinking about because Mm -hmm. everything in his brain comes down to, you know, is it good for me? Is it bad for me? Like this is a man who you know? I don't think he's really he's barely expressed condolences uh, for the victims of the virus. Uh, but we hear about how high his ratings are all the time. Um, mm-hmm. Have you been uh, subjecting
0: yourselves to these these nightly uh, these nightly shit shows? Yes, I do. I I force myself to watch them. If only because if I start at some point during the day, every day I always give up. <laughs> <laughs> at some point during every day i just go fuck it um i'm out of this i don't. i can't fight this i don't want to do this anymore this is like this is too insane um i'm i'm just going to try to have some fun that's left in the life i have right and um and then i get i get over that by turning on the trump uh nightly uh uh as you said the shit show the press conference which is i guess his his replacement for his rallies and um and boy, and I force myself through the entire. It's sometimes ninety, I know, twenty minutes. I've done a
1: lot of them, but sometimes I, I I give myself a mental health break.
0: Yeah, no. What I well, I just go into my podcast studio. I'm like, then I'm, I'm I'm fired up. Yeah, I've been I've been juiced. I've been juiced up, and re- I'm ready to go because you. It's I also. But let me tell you, to be honest, I also watch his press conferences to observe. The mad genius of the way he works, and and why it has worked with so many tens of millions of people. Um, I mean, it's a very,
1: I mean, genius. It's a very simplistic genius, you know. Yeah, but maybe that's maybe that's the point. Sort of an yeah. idiot savant genius.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yes, he devolved it to a point to where, in its simplicity. It had a mad
1: beauty. I mean, he's one of his things is nicknames. And I did a joke about two weeks ago or three weeks ago where I, I had him saying, oh, I know what to do. I'll give the virus a nickname. I'll call it the crooked coronavirus. And I, mean, <laughs> I got the wrong nickname. But he is, in fact, calling it the invisible enemy. He did, in fact, give it a nickname. The Invisible enemy. Yes.
0: You know, he gave me a nickname. Oh, a nickname. Of course he did. What was that? Well, see, again, this bothers me because this is what I often say to people, you know, Trump a lot of times you got to listen carefully because he's often telling the truth. You know when he says that he could shoot a guy in the middle of Fifth right, Avenue and get away, right. or any of a number of things. Um, in this case, the the nickname had a big kernel of truth to it. My 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 nickname is Sloppy Mike.
2: <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I'm you
0: know, sorry, I shouldn't laugh. laugh. How do you fight that? How do you fight that? I mean. Well, okay.
1: Again, another moment of truth. From um, but I interrupted you. You were talking about his watching them for his genius.
0: No, well, I was just, I was just, <laughs> I just think that as he, as he, what we would call, you know, dumbs it down or whatever, and it's even that even d- doesn't disservice to that term. Um, he goes to a place where it's it's like it. it part of it is the way you have to. When you're passing a car wreck, you, you, don't, you say, don't look, don't look, and you have to look. Yeah, yeah. You The way that his cadence and his whole delivery, and the even when he's reading from the prompter, he'll come across a line. That, oh, he's, he's, that he's reading for the
1: first time, and he says, oh, yes, and that is I, true. I, and, in,
0: and in his head, he goes, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's a good line. Oh, yes. wait a minute, I'm saying that line. <laughs> um,
1: he does that all the time, I
0: know. All the time. It's almost like Tourette's with him. That like, and you can all now. I play a little game where I'm going, I'm listening to a line, listening, listening. Oh, here it goes. It's, it just hit repeat. Hang yeah. on, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> he just says it again. Uh-huh. You know, it's, <laughs> it, um, uh, there, there was a, there was a famous comedian once who loved to like when he got a, a, a big laugh with a line, he'd repeat the line again because he so enjoyed the laugh he got. And, um, and then suddenly the woman had no clothes and in the audience laughs she had no clothes <laughs> another laugh but not as loud the second time right and, and he, now he's upset cuz it didn't go as well as it did the first time so he says it a third time she had no clothes and by that time, I feel like now, I can
1: almost guess who this is just from yeah, your, uh, but I'm not going to. I know,
0: I know. I, I sort
1: of screwed it up.
0: I, <laughs> I went halfway into his voice. But he's such a nice guy. I don't want to, I don't, I do not want to criticize uh, his comedy. It's not in my, it's not in my. I understand. Uh, you understand. Okay, good. But I, but um, I, I so want to tell him more than once that, you know, you're so funny. Let it go on the first one. You get a big laugh. You get applause. Go to the next one. You know? Right. I think it's probably something that's in all of us that, that I guess, well, all of us want to be loved. And so, w- when you get some love, uh, what do you want? More of it. <laughs> you know? It's like, it's, but it's like, maybe it's best to be satisfied with that wonderful love that was just expressed to you, uh, in this case, from the audience. And, yeah. But anyways, uh, um, so, yeah, I think with Trump, um, I always took him seriously. I said right away, uh, as soon as he gave that first speech of his when he came down the golden escalator and and called Mexicans uh, rapists and uh, drug dealers and criminals. Um, and then like four, what, four or five days later, NBC fires him. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody's, yeah, well, that's the end of Trump. And I'm like, no, he'll, he's going to be the Republican nominee. No, you were on this. You were on this early,
1: and you saw it early. Um, I didn't even mention him in a cartoon until about three weeks after the escalator, because it just felt like a waste of time. I was just like, oh God, really? I have to do cartoons about this guy? He's there's no way he's going to last. But I will, in my you know, in my own defense, I will say, uh, when it came down to the election. I had a conversation with a cartoonist friend because the way you know, you have to finish the cartoon before, you know, what the results of the election are going to be in weeks like that, uh, which is always, you know, you're doing it before, but it's going to run after. And that's a, that's a tricky deadline to hit. And uh, my, my friend was saying, well, come on, Hillary's going to win. You might as well just do the cartoon. That's obvious. Hillary's going to win. And I was just like, I'm not so sure of that. I don't have that confidence. I, and I, did a cartoon that basically was just about, you know, I don't know what's going to have happened when you're reading this cartoon. I think I did it as a multiple choice or something like that. Uh, Because I, I I wasn't as confident as you that he was going to win or could win, but I did believe that he, you know,
0: I did believe that it wasn't
1: guaranteed that he was going to Mm. lose.
0: Yeah. See with me, I don't have any special uh, clairvoyance uh, thing going on here. I just, I watched the apprentice. And I understood why that show, he did 14 seasons of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've done four seasons of my TV shows. Right. You know, we don't, anybody gets 14 seasons, they're there for a reason. And don't, and, we, um, don't we all owe Mark Burnett just such a huge debt of gratitude at this point. Uh, yes. We're talking about the creator um, and executive producer of this thing. Well, he, and also who was the, who was the head of NBC at the time? Oh, um, Yeah. Was that Zucker? Did, did Zucker, who put him on the air? I'm not sure. But what they were smart in the sense that they knew that the the especially the middle of the country or anywhere from the Hudson River to Interstate Five um, would um, would like would love the show, and uh, they did. And um, so I wasn't surprised that that people right from the beginning wanted this TV star, we, you know, we're kind of, I mean, you, you talk about a lot of this in your strip oftentimes about our fascination with celebrities and um, celebrity culture. And um, so it wasn't a, uh, wasn't a surprise uh, to me. Plus I, I spend, you know, or did spend <laughs> a big chunk of my time in Michigan, obviously that's where I live. And, and I, um, I have, uh, I've been there in a while, but um but I saw I saw the, the rabidness for Trump amongst his supporters. And it didn't feel like it was the majority of Michigan residents, but it was rabid enough to know I knew those people were gonna vote. If there was a ten foot blizzard that day, they were gonna vote on election day. And there was no excitement for Hillary Clinton. And I mean and I'm talking about not from the, the, the left, but I'm talking about even in the middle. Yeah. Nobody was excited about that. And and it's the biggest thing I worry about with Biden is that nobody's gonna wake up on election morning and go, Oh, I can't wait to get to the polls. Although, well, you know, he,
1: he is not the most exciting candidate, but also it's just become this very weird moment where, like, he can't do rallies. He can't get, uh, what do they call it, earned media. Uh, yeah. and, you know, he uh, he's, he's stuck in quarantine like we all are. I mean, and I'm using the term quarantine loosely. Uh, we're obviously not in actual, but we're sort of all in lockdown. And, um, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, on the one hand, Trump couldn't be screwing everything up, you know, more obviously if if he tried. On the other hand, um, there have just been so many moments where you think, ah, this time he can't possibly survive this. And, and then he does that. I, I just I don't even know what's going to happen. Um, but it's it's. uh it's frightening. It is frightening. Yeah. I, don't, I, know I, think, I, was, I think at this point, having been through impeachment, having been through these things, I, yeah. think, for my, I think if he legitimately won or can somehow claim to have legitimately won re-election, uh, I, I think that that is basically the end of whatever, you know, it's the end of democracy as we have known it, basically. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's not hyperbole. That's uh, that uh, Trump will take that and run with it for four years. Um, that's why the, the part of me that believes that Biden can pull it off is because I know that the, the vast majority, majority of Americans, don't, the majority uh, don't want Trump in there. And and a majority of them would uh, crawl through broken glass to remove him. Yeah. Um, I mean, anybody listening to this right now, seriously, if I could guarantee you that Trump. Would be removed from office, but first you personally, listen to this, would have to crawl through broken glass. Um, can I see a show of hands? Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Right. Just get me some uh, Neosporin spray and, and yeah. some a ban- some band aids. That's all I need afterwards. No, this this that's that's the reason that that Biden can win, and, and if if the feeling remains that strong, but first there has to be an election, as you said, with the mail thing that. Trump is already thinking about how not to have the election. You yeah. already you and, know. And,
1: you know, people say, oh, the president has no power to suspend an election. And I just think, oh, that's so, so adorable. What? That's so adorable that you still yeah, you're think so he cute. is I love listening to people strain quite any norm whatsoever. whatsoever. Yes.
0: No. every time somebody, like you said, every time somebody, somebody says, oh, the pussy grabbing tape. Remember that night? Oh, that's the end of that's the end of yeah, Trump. Yeah. No, there's no end of Trump. Well, and, there and literally, you know why that, no you know
1: that did not end Trump. It would have ended any other politician. Anybody. But his what I had said from the start with him is that his superpower is that he has no shame whatsoever. Right. So a thing that anyone else would have reacted to as a normal human being, he just he just has no shame. He can just, at the, you know, he eventually denied that it was even him on the tape, you know, but he just plowed through uh, and and it works. He just has no shame.
0: And I think there's something secretly in a lot of people, most of us, that um, when we screw up and we have all screwed up, we've scr- whether it's at work, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's uh, you name it, you know, we've we've all screwed up. Wouldn't you, when you see Trump go through the screw up, like nothing happened, there's something almost appealing about that. Like, oh, uh,
1: wouldn't that have been, I, what if I, I
0: didn't have to go through the shame of what I just did?
1: I, I'm not going to agree with you. I'm not going to agree with you. Well, you wouldn't I, feel that way. I, I, I see him do this and I'm just appalled. I, I don't, I'm not. No, you I'm are. Not yeah, but I'm talking about,
0: I'm talking about most, most people, if. Just think back to something they did. Listen, we were all, when when your mom came in and said, Where are all the cookies that were in the cookie jar? And you're looking around like, You know, did you, I don't know if you had any siblings, but, uh, you know, that's the ones who really pull it off are the kids who don't have siblings and they're looking around to blame it on a sibling that doesn't exist. <laughs> it's like, it's like the Trump is just so. So good at what do you, what's that old Richard Pryor um, joke where the um, um he's, he's, he's saying, you know, that, that if, if your wife accuses you of adultery or whatever, you have to deny it, never admit to it, always deny it. And, and then <laughs> so he gives the example of this guy who was really good at this, a Trump like figure. Um, and his wife comes in and he's in bed with the other woman. And, and the wife goes, what is going on here? What is she doing here? And and the guy goes, who? <laughs> there's nobody here but me and you. Oh, man. There's a woman in our bed. Uh, honey, I don't know what's wrong with you right now, but uh, there's nobody here. Uh, I mean, <laughs> who are you going to believe? Uh, me or your own lying eyes?
1: Right. And these days we call that gaslighting and Trump is the absolute uh, master of it. And I don't know about you, but what I really resent is how much of my life now I have had to spend thinking about Donald Trump every day. I mean, I think... Mm. You know, that's why you sound this way. <laughs> Do I,
0: what, you sound what way. What does that even mean? I sound fine. <laughs> okay, I'm just worried. No, you're my friend. I'm worried. I just, you know, it could be the new microphone. <laughs> it could be it's like, no, but it's, I, I just, um I listen, I read uh, your strip every week and I'm like, wow, he's still, man, he's like on fire. He's got it. You know, it's no, no, you're fine. You're, you are fine. And, uh, and I think in times like this, our sense of humor, is something that plus alcohol that can, that, <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. Folks. Uh, no, but that can, that if you maintain your sense of humor in times like this, I believe it can be a huge medicine of a few big, a big relief and comfort. Wow. Um, I mean, it's also, it's,
1: it's kind of good that it's just my job. Like I, you know, otherwise uh, I don't know if I would maintain my sense of humor right now, but I am required to, have some kind of semblance of a sense of humor every week. And um, it's just good to keep that part of the brain active.
0: Yeah. I need, I need, I need somebody, I need, I don't know what this is again. I don't know if it's the Catholic education or just the, but I do need somebody with a ruler over my head sometimes. (laughs) This is due by eight o'clock tonight. And, um, you know, I try to get, you know, Basil's the executive producer of this endeavor and, uh, I try to get him to like, you know, you have to tell me this has to be done by, by this time. And he's, he's, uh, he's just, <laughs> I don't know whether it's, he's just too nice or he's, he knows it's a lost cause to get me to <laughs> finish on a deadline like this. But, um, uh, and he's, you know, of course he's here, but he's not here in the podcast studio. Right. He's at, at home and he's listening to this right now, but, um, but I think he's just—he's heard the story of the, about the nuns for too long, and he's just refusing to be a, a Catholic nun. Maybe, and, you, uh, maybe maybe you could
1: maybe maybe Ellen Musk could could fix you up with like a robot that could do that for you or something.
0: Oh, see that would be scary. I, that, I would just <laughs> I would leave the room and lock the door. I wouldn't. I just what if it was Elon Musk? What if it was Musk himself is yeah. here? Holy shit! Well, we can't guy. do
1: that because of social distancing. I'm just imagining a very simple robot with a ruler attached to the top, and it just whacks you on the head or on the knuckles or whatever your whatever your Catholic nuns did when yes. you know, when, when they were scarring you for life as a child.
0: <laughs> no, actually, I actually I had really good nuns. I had very progressive nuns hippie nuns Uh, um he had a hippie priest you know they were all they were all pretty good but what if it was musk what if he okay social distancing let's just say he's out in the other room right now you know and i'm just sitting in here and and then you hear this voice you are not recording i don't hear anything please start recording
1: so so in this scenario He's some sort of supernatural entity, like you've said his name three times, kind of, and he appears yeah, in the other room. He's par- sort of partly,
0: you. Yes, but also there was a bit of Doctor Strange I think, in that voice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Is there? Do we want? You don't want to go back to normal, really, tr- truly, right? Um, well, I don't mean personal normal. Oh I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's a complicated question, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, wh- wh- no, I well, would you even s- your even your normal, I uh-huh. would go back to your normal. Would, <laughs> but when you say uh,
1: I don't want to go back to normal, you mean you mean in society?
0: I'm talking about societal, um, political.
1: You,
0: you know, know how I we just, structure ourselves.
1: I I mean. You know, we're going to have massive unemployment and an ongoing healthcare crisis for at least all of 2020. So normal is not really possible, and normal was not normal was kind of what put us in this situation, what you know made us vulnerable to a black swan event like this. Um, normal is not working um, with with uh, income inequality. Normal is not working with our ridiculous healthcare system. Uh, normal and, and no, I don't, I don't want to go back to normal, but I don't, uh, I, I, I also, you know, we don't really have a path out, uh, with, uh, Donald Trump and his, and his, uh,
0: uh oligarchs
1: running everything,
0: you know? You, you personally don't have an idea of that path out?
1: Well, uh, not under the conditions as they exist today, as we are talking.
0: I mean, no, but let's say once we're through the pandemic, so that we don't return to the same old ways.
1: You know, just I've been thinking I mean, about this a lot. You know, we need a lot of the stuff that uh, we need a lot of the stuff that Bernie Sanders was running on. We definitely need universal health care. You know, that's that's just that should be a fundamental building block of any civilized society. And it's, it's just shocking to me uh, how difficult we've made it in this country.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we will get some of these things. I think they're already doing it. They're, they're reducing mass incarceration because of the, the the virus. Well, the thing, we should have been doing that already. What this has shown us is for, you know, the argument against all these progressive uh,
1: reforms for so long has been, how will we pay for it? Turns out you can pay for any damn thing you want. You just throw money at it. I mean, you know,
0: how. Let that be the primary lesson of yeah, this pandemic. Yeah. We can afford to pay for any damn thing we want. So,
1: how about nice things like health care and, and, uh, I don't, whatever else? Uh, you know. Well,
0: no, no student should be fifty to one hundred thousand right, dollars in debt. Right, forgiving
1: student debt—that's good. Um, you know, but just just um, basic wage
0: should be fifteen to twenty dollars
1: an hour. Right, and should always come with health care Should always come with. I mean, well, the student, government we should just be providing healthcare. Yeah, we just yeah, but we just need we need a safety net in the way that we do not have a safety net, and so suddenly this thing hits, and we collectively fell off the. High wire that we were barely hanging on to anyway, and there's not a safety net there. And, and, you know, so, like, all these reforms cannot be uh, coronavirus-specific. Like, they, they, they we have to understand that, like, the next pandemic is going to be worse. Like, this is a trial run, um, and it's a wake-up
0: call. Right, right. What, 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 you know, if you could just wave a magic wand when this is over. And, and do not, I don't mean wave a magic wand to make sure that there's no homeless anymore and people like that or whatever, but just, you know, if you could wave a magic wand post pandemic, um, you know, what would you want life to look like? And, and again, I don't necessarily mean that in a political way. I'm 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 saying it too, in a personal way. Um, because I think things are going to be different. I really do. I think it's going to be different personally for a lot of people. And I think it's going to be, I mean, Well, there's all the
1: societal structural things we've just been talking about, but honestly, I just, like, I miss the world. I miss uh, going out and seeing my friends in person. Um, Like, I I just, I don't, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know how long it's going to be before really, really simple things like that are going to be possible again.
0: Can we leave people with any hope today? uh this too shall pass <laughs> <laughs> that's I mean, true though it at will some point, pass at it will some end. point we will it be will through end. this
1: and this is a, a major thing that i don't know if everyone i mean we're here in new york and we're getting whacked and i i just i don't know the extent to which everyone is really understanding that you know like like this isn't going to be over in two weeks this isn't going to be over in two months i don't know what it's going to look like or how we're going to cautiously reopen or reengage or whatever. But this is like,
0: um, you know,
1: I don't know a world war breaking out or something. This is a thing that is going to impact every, uh, aspect of our lives, uh, for a long time. Um, and I, I, uh, it all, it just, it kind of happened very suddenly and it's, it's just, it's taking me a while to get my head around that.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I should ask this during the podcast, but are you going to stay in New York when you are mobile again?
0: I miss Michigan. Um, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Um, yes, I'll probably definitely want to go back, back home. Um, I, my sisters live in California um so obviously i miss them and their their kids um they're all in the west coast um that's a that's a really good question the one great thing about this podcast is it can be portable Uh um i've I've built the studio in the guest bedroom here in new york uh, in the in the apartment and um i can build i can build it in michigan too in a day um so i mean i've been thinking about this because excuse me if, if um
1: If everything I love about living in the city is shut down, then I'm not sure why I would stay in the city.
0: Right. The reasons that we like
1: to live here when we're here. Right. If I am literally just staying inside all the time, then I might as well do that somewhere where I can get, uh, you know, a house much cheaper than the price of my apartment. Where would you go? I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, my son is still, you've seen
0: the country you've lived in many places. I have,
1: um, but you have, you're right. You have a teenage son. I have a teenage son. uh, On the East coast. Who lives a couple hours away and he's got another year of high school. So for a year, um, if I do camp, I'd probably go where he is and spend a year there and then figure it out. But I don't know. I mean, you know, I just came back to New York two years ago. I've been in a very tr- uh, uh, transitional space of my life to begin with. So a lot of things have been up in the air anyway. And this just makes it more so, except that now everything's up in the air, but I'm stuck in my apartment 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing fine, Michael. I'm doing Oh, no, fine. you sound great. No, <laughs> you fuck. You're doing – this is the best time of your life. This is <laughs> – I do no, to watch all the TV I want. I don't I don't, you know, it's it's a it's like a teenager's dream.
0: You know, one of the reasons I didn't I had the choice to go to Michigan when the just right when this was first beginning, uh, you know, the Michigan primary was happening. Right, I was gonna go there right. and work for Bernie and or stay uh, uh you know in New York, um where I had ended up at that at the end of um February. And I decided to stay here and and I to be honest, the the main reason I thought of not going to, to Michigan, especially I live in northern Michigan. Mm-hmm. So I live in a very kind of red part of the state, even though the, the town I live in is very blue. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't want to be around in an area of the country where people um, have a lot of guns, frankly. Oh, wow. Um, I just thought, you know, if, if, this, if society collapses entirely um, and uh, people can't eat, and they can't get fresh water, and they can't get this or that or whatever. Um, I don't. I don't want to be the target of their um, anger. Yeah. And and for that reason, and I and it actually, I just remembered that night we, um, you and I, were walking down uh, thirty, I don't know, thirty fourth Street or whatever. Do you remember this? We we're going to Madison Square Garden to see a Pearl Jam. I do we remember. Had that. Done there. That, that album cover, you had done their album cover. Yeah, so this would be like 10 years ago. Yes, and um, do you remember what happened? We were walking down the street.
1: I do remember, this guy, but I'm going to let you tell the story.
0: Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't like telling the story, and uh, any security professional would encourage me not to tell the story, but I, you know, I don't care anymore. On the other side of the street, somebody shouts out my name, and you and I, we both look over, and he raises his two hands, his two arms, like he's got a shotgun in his hands and he does the pump action and (laughs) you, and you, I know you were like in shock. That was only the hundredth time somebody had done something like that to me to tell me that they would love to blow my head off. And, um, and you said to me, does that happen a lot? (laughs) (laughs) I said, yeah, it's okay. Just keep going. The, The main thing is he didn't have a gun. He had a pretend gun. Uh, in his hands. And, um, he, you know, he kept going, he's not going to come over here and do anything. Um, and that, which is usually the case. I, they don't usually do anything to me, uh, physically, mostly, I guess, out of fear that if they hit me, I, I'd fall on them. So oh, God. Um, <laughs> generally, generally it's, it's best not to hit me. I think oh, uh, is, the, is the word, but, um, but that was, uh, but, yeah, it's the, so that kind of mentality. I, I felt I'm safer in my New York City apartment building. Well, you know um, the, the, the hell of it am is. Am I though? Do, I mean, Maybe they were, yeah, do yeah, people yeah. have guns in this building. I, I don't know. Yeah, but you know, I, I think I'm okay.
1: It's weird. I, I I want to live in New York. I just want to live in. Yeah. I want to live in New York. I want New York to recover from this and find a way out of it. Um, And, you know, with the understanding that it's going to be a long haul, um, and there's going to be a lot of restrictions on life, I still love this city and I don't want to leave it. Um, you know, it's, I, I, uh, I've lived here three different times in my life and I came back after, you know, my life kind of fell apart a couple of years ago and it's been very good to me. I like this city. I like being here. I just, um, this this particular moment is a really rough moment, but I I'm, I'm not, you know, I think about what other options or what else I might do, but I, I like New York.
0: Yeah, I do too, and and uh, I like that you're here, and and I'm let's let's uh, commit in front of uh, of um, a few hundred thousand witnesses <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, seriously, we have, <laughs> yeah. No, no. Close, close. We we just have to spend more time together. You yeah. know, we we just we. Yeah. Uh, if, well, if
1: if we're ever allowed to do these things again, if we're ever we allowed to uh, <laughs> we have to see have other daughter. human beings in person. Yeah, we we can we can uh, get to go somewhere with a really long dinner table and sit twelve feet
0: apart. <laughs> we have shout to shout at you know, each other.
1: Maybe have a I'm, little intercom well, system or something.
0: It won't be that bad. We'll we'll do that. Um, I'm uh, I'm I'm glad that that you're a friend. Um, and um, um, well, thank it's, you. Yeah. Well, you it's too. on a on a personal level and also on a creative level that I have a brother, I have a fellow traveler. Yes, um, absolutely. Tries to handle the world that we're in um, through um, some humor um, and um, and also some. Um, Will to to beat back all that is uh all that we're up against. Yeah. And uh and I believe that can happen. As sure as I believe this virus will be over, um, that will happen. And the people listening to this right now, they know it too. They're ready, they're chomping at the bit, uh, to get going. Starting with the first job, staying alive, everybody. Everybody keep doing that. And then secondly, get rid of Trump. And then, finally, most importantly, probably, uh, once you live, <laughs> if you're able mm-hmm. to live, is uh, let's get rid of that which gave us Trump. Those parts of the system,
1: right? That's that, a really that, that's a super important point. That that's Trump. To me, I just, Trump I keep is
0: stressing. Trump yes. is a
1: monster, but Trump is a symptom. Trump. Trump his did own, not. His, uh, the Trump, Trump did not appear him. out of a vacuum.
0: He Did not fall out of the sky. And um, and he will be gone. And that which gave us him will also be gone, and it will be replaced with a more loving and compassionate uh, system. Um, I'm, I'm convinced of that. I know I can tell it's what people want. And, and and those who don't agree with us, we'll be kind to them, too. We'll make sure that their health bills are covered. And they don't have to pay for them. We'll make sure that their kids can go to college not have to worry about the money. We'll we'll do all the things we're going to do. We're going to do for the people that we disagree with too. Yeah. That sounds lovely. Um, Dan, thank you so much. Michael, for thank you. I hope you start a podcast one of these days um, and uh, invite me on because. Uh, <laughs> hey, we'll do that. Maybe yeah. I will just have a one episode
1: <laughs> podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, it began and ended with Michael Moore as my yes. guest. Don't ask me about it. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, but thank you very much. Everybody who's listening to this, this is, I've been talking to Dan Perkins, aka Tom Tomorrow, uh, his incredible uh, cartoon strip. Which is called "This Modern World" uh, can be found every Monday on the Daily Co's and every Tuesday on the Nib and um, and on his uh, website uh, this dot Uh and you can find it on my podcast uh, uh, platform page here. And uh, I'm on links. Twitter. You're on Twitter. Yes, he is at, definitely at, on Twitter. Yeah, it's way too much. But at Tom Tomorrow. At Tom Tomorrow. That's easy. Um, uh, Always had a time, hard time when I was a child with the word tomorrow trying to spell it. Um, probably didn't feel like there there was much of one to uh, hope for, <laughs> but that's another podcast. Um, but seriously, uh, uh, thank you.
1: All right, my keep friend. Thank you. Doing very what you're much. doing. Yeah.
0: Thank you. And, uh, and everybody out there, uh, you keep at it too. Um, start drawing if that's what you've been wanting to do. Um, no one can stop you now. You're in your home. You can draw whatever the fuck you want, so uh, so do that, and uh, and um, I'll uh, I'll talk to you real soon here on uh, Rumble with Michael Moore.